This is episode 237 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled The Walking Dead with Oleg Livitz. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts, the show about stuff we like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to be joined by my co-host, Bill Aho, who has an ear for good music and an eye for the extraordinary. Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts is brought to you by Discreet Guide, a training company for improving your speaking and writing skills. We hope you enjoy the show. I am so pleased to welcome a friend to the show today. I haven't had the opportunity to have friends on the show very often. So, Oleg, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. All right. I'll introduce Oleg Levitz. He's the television producer and an entrepreneur. He's with us today to talk about The Walking Dead, and he's currently serving as a non-writing co-producer on AMC's hit series, the Walking Dead. He's also a co-owner, along with his lovely stylist wife, Jenny, of a lifestyle boutique, Pink Lagoon, in Solana Beach, California, which is close to us here in San Diego. Oleg began his career working on a long-running TV series, Extra. He went on to work in commercials and music videos before landing gigs on Paramount's blockbuster films, Mission Impossible 3, I have heard of that, and Star Trek, also heard of that. He took a small break from Hollywood to pursue endeavors in international business before returning to television and working on shows like Hulu's Chance with Hugh Laurie and ABC's FBI drama Quantico. Oleg then joined a newly appointed showrunner for Walking Dead, Angela Kang, in season nine of The Walking Dead until its final season, which is occurring now, uh, which is set to conclude in the fall of 2022. So very timely for us to be recording this episode. Oleg was born in the Soviet Union and immigrated to the U.S. with his family when he was 12 years old. He received a BA in communications and fine arts with a television production emphasis from Loyola Marymount University in LA. Oleg is an avid sports fan and huge sauna enthusiast. He is currently developing a travel docuseries about sauna culture and its health benefits. All right, Oleg, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right, so The Walking Dead, I think he pointed out to me that The Walking Dead was set to conclude, and I realized, oh, this would be a perfect opportunity for me to interview you about The Walking Dead and this huge phenomenon that is The Walking Dead. It's truly amazing when you start to look at the statistics for this show. It has 11 seasons, 177 episodes, not all out yet, but that's the end goal, and millions of viewers. Now it has multiple spinoffs and parodies, its own wiki website, which is just an incredible wealth of information. And its fifth season premiere was watched by 17 million people, making it the most watched series episode in cable history. So, Oleg, when you think about this show, what stands out for you as an indicator of its popularity? You know, the, the show is based on on uh, Robert Kirkman's comic book, The Walking Dead. So it already kind of had an audience coming into it. There's a, a huge following. Comic-Cons have been around for quite a long time. I had no clue. <laughs> I didn't grow up in this country. I wasn't following any of this stuff. But the popularity in comics has grown exponentially in the past decade plus. Uh, look at all the Marvel stuff. And, right. um, you know, the superheroes have always been a big hit in American cinema. And make, turning it into television, that's something that's really has taken a turn in the, in the last like maybe decade or so. Mm-hmm. So uh, coming into it, 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 it had sort of the fan base of the comic book. But I think the producers um, that 
came up with the idea and and Frank Darabont, who originally uh, created the show based on the comic book, wrote an incredible pilot and uh, kind of set the tone for the series. Uh, that first episode was so emotionally, uh, you, you, you just attach to it. And that's very important to make the first episode, um, a pilot in particular, because you want to hook people in, you know, and, and Frank Darabont is, as you probably know, is an Oscar nominated uh, writer, uh, screenwriter, director um, of one of my favorite movies of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Uh-huh. He also uh, um, wrote The Green Mile and many. He's extremely, <laughs> he's an amazing writer. And it also had some really good producers attached to the show uh, early on. Uh, Galen Hurd, um, who's uh, a longtime Hollywood producer, she's produced big blockbuster movies like The Terminator. Aliens. I think she's the one produced Armageddon. Um, and they also um, brought on Greg Nicotero, who's a, just a special effects sort of guru at the time. Mm. Uh, Greg has not only been making the iconic zombies on The Walking Dead, he's also been producing and directors, uh, directing episodes since the very first season. And the show was produced by AMC Studios for AMC Network. So it's one entity rather than, you know, a separate studio producing for a different network. And they were a fairly young studio. They are still, uh, you know, if you compare them to Warner Brothers or Sony and others, fairly young. So perhaps they were willing to, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of money in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. and, and talking to the producers, the original producers that I had a chance to, uh, while I saw them, um, they they had mentioned they had no idea that this little they had no expectations for a little zombie show to become this massive <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, so I, I guess to make any movie, any show, even a, a little podcast, there's a lot of logistics. There's a lot of things that have to go right for it to be just even good enough to for people to stick around and, and watch let alone just explode. And I, I think everything for this show just started to fall into place. Mm. The right decisions, I think, were made early on. And there were, as as more seasons were being added on and, and ordered by the network, there were some legal stuff that I, I don't want to get into because I wasn't around during that time, nor should I. It's not really any of my, uh, I'm, I'm not in any place to discuss that. But what those original producers started, they set the tone and I think everything else just kind of happened almost magically. The location that, you know, ended up shooting in Georgia, um, mm-hmm. this was 2010. Uh, this was shortly after the there was a writer's strike in 2008. Um, oh. A lot of the productions were moving into different um, parts of the country. Um, Georgia was giving a big tax incentive. Um, so I, I think there was a decision made to shoot the show in Georgia. Um, and again, all of these decisions may have seemed like, oh, kind of crazy at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Came and gave this show sort of fuel to keep going. Yeah. Had they shot the show, uh, even the second season, maybe in L.A. or elsewhere, it could have cost a lot more money. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. it would have limited the amount of dollars we could put on screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I, I think all of that uh, combined with uh, pre-existing audience is what made the show. But essentially, it's, it's just the writing. It's just really, really good, solid writing. And the show has always had good writers on the show. And I was just so fortunate, even the last uh, I joined in season nine, to work with such brilliant people and to see how they work, how they think, the amount of work they put into just understanding storylines, characters. Uh, and of course, they would <laughs> a lot of times they would go back and because uh, they used a lot of the source material from the comic books, mm-hmm. not exactly like the comic books, but they would still run things by Robert Kirkman just to kind of get a sense of how what he was thinking when he's writing the, the the very popular comic that he wrote. Yeah, I think that's right. There's something about the themes of the show. I know when I was, I still have my scribbly note here from our first conversation about the show. And I actually wrote in here, sucks you in. And I kept thinking about you having said that to me 
in that first conversation because that phrase kept coming back to me because you'd suggested, oh, you should watch at least the first season before you talk to me. Well, I was in, you know, season four before I sort of yeah woke back yeah. up. I was like, well, I guess I would qualify for being sucked in now. <laughs> yeah. And when I first started watching the show, you know, the storylines and the themes seemed so familiar, right? There was something almost comforting, which I did not expect from a zombie show, right? Mm -hmm. And then at first I thought, well, this is a Western. This, you know, these tropes that this this homey feeling that this show has about some of the characters or the themes feels like a Western. Mm -hmm. But over time, you know, some of the more obvious indicators of that western um those western themes faded away but i was thinking some of the other themes are similar to westerns and they persist past that western feel survival you know what is ethical what is moral when there's no police you know how do we decide what's okay who is okay to kill and who it's not okay to kill, you know, strangers versus family. And so I was thinking these are just, these are American themes, right? But right. I wanted to ask you if you felt as though the show was particularly American or not. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Not, be, not being born here. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> I am still fascinated with, with these themes and you know, I, I think the show has the reason the show has gained so much popularity worldwide mm-hmm. is, is I think it the themes are universal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it can they can be applied to any individual, any family, just about any culture anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. What would you do? What would right. we do? How would we protect? How would we survive? Mm-hmm. Would we want to go on? And it may feel like it's a Western vibe, but I think if we took this and placed this in 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 Soviet Russia, or mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of the or China, or for that matter, I, I think a lot of the same themes would apply, and people would still act uh, the way they do. Um, mm-hmm. Can't change humanity. We are who we are, and even though we come from different parts of the world, and when facing something this brutal and the show is not just about zombies you know they're the they're the threat that exists Mm -hmm. in the world and how are we as humans going to deal with not only stepping outside and having the threat of the zombies Mm -hmm. but also protect ourselves from other groups who may want to dominate or take over or take what we have sure and so yeah, it's an it's it's interesting to um, uh, how that applied, and uh, that that is why I think the show is so popular in so many other countries. A huge fan base in uh, just about every part of the world. Really, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, and it definitely changes how you think, and I think that's part of it. Is it fires up your imagination for what would I do? Right. right? It's mm-hmm. definitely change. I mean, I find myself just having really weird thoughts, like. I should get a big knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm, that rate looks good. If I <laughs> it's, I mean, it does, you know, and that's the thing. It's so, it creates a world. It's probably true for a lot of the comics, but this one in particular having to do with survival and protecting mm. your family. Maybe yeah. that just really taps into our reptile brain. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny how what an effect that has and how we think about or when we enter that world, how we think about how, what we would do. So, yeah. yeah. And it gives the writers uh, that imagination gives the writers the fuel to create more. And I think that's another mm-hmm. reason why it, the you you could just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kill a zombie, you, yeah, you um land and you, you know look for stuff and supplies eventually all that stuff runs out how do you go back and how do you recreate how do you create a world and live and do you build a community do you go back to gardening and and 
raising cattle? How do you protect the cattle from the uh, from the zombies? Um, how do you enclose yourself? And and as the seasons went on, you saw the the characters going from different places, you know, from prisons to communities to farmhouses, and so on. And um, and all of them were really interesting. Um, yeah. Their own unique ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the show just keeps on going, and then that's why there's more spin-offs because there's more opportunities to uh, uh, kind of get out of the world we were in uh, in The Walking Dead and, and create something different on, along the same lines. Yeah, it's so interesting about the idea of people and the constant tension that there is inside the show between banding together with people. Yay, raw, go people, you know, we're we're so great versus stay away from people. They're worse than the zombies. You know, they're they're more cruel, they're more vicious, they're mm-hmm. more inhumane, really, than the zombies are. And and that tension, right, which seems so mm-hmm. contemporary, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. I do have to tell you one uh, funny story. So the show was originally classified as horror, and I'm not a horror fan. And so I was slightly worried about that when I started the show. Like, am I going to be scared to death? Because I am a little bit of a chicken. But, you know, with these interesting themes and the good writing and then the scenery, right? I mean, to me, it was just fascinating that it was shot in Georgia. And I was so intrigued to look at the houses and, you know, the woods are just beautiful. Beautiful. So anyway, I was all engrossed in all that and the whole blood and gore. And I don't really believe in zombies. So that didn't really scare me that much, right? I'm so tough, right? That's what I thought. But of course, I was sucked in. So I was watching the show kind of late at night. Everybody else was asleep. And I uh, got up to... um, use the facilities and uh, my husband had turned the water off during the course of the day and so you know when you turn the faucet on after the water has been off there's air in the pipes Mm -hmm. so when I turned the water on it made that (laughs) noise when I turned it and I jumped about five feet in the air <laughs> so it definitely, I mean, there's, you know, it's not horrible, horrible for, I'll say that on the, on behalf of my audience. Mm-hmm. So don't be too worried about that, but it is nerve wracking, right? It is, it, there's a lot of tension. In yes. The show. Yes. That's television drama for you. Right. <laughs> that's uh-huh. the, that's the intent is, is to keep you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Right. At all times, and and yes, I I'm I'm this I'm uh, in a lot of ways I'm um, same as you. I, I I thought it was a I'm like oh, I'm not really into horror. I don't. Yeah. And and same effect. I started watching and I was like, oh oh, I see. Mm. Okay, this, not, this, that's this. yeah, that's not really the point. So yeah. yeah, for those in the audience who are hesitating, yeah, don't worry about that. That's not that's not the major feature of the show. I mean, there's lots of gore. But yeah. there's a lot of fighting. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a bunch of things that happen in the show, I think, that are interesting. There's a lot of problem solving. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of kind of, you know, how heist movies are also really suspenseful, but you're also like trying to figure out, yeah. Yeah. you know, the logistics. It's it's like that. Yeah. So that, you know, that's, I find, I mean, I really. Yeah, like it, and it happens on both levels. Sometimes an individual gets stuck. You know, like in right. the episode when when Rick was stuck in a tank and how is he going to get out? And then Glenn, yes. you know, you're like, whoa, 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 what, what? How is he going to do this? He's so surrounded. Right. And then other times it's a group of people. So, mm-hmm. some, you know, and how they work together to solve a problem or get out of a situation. And uh, what means do they have to and think quickly and figure it out? And and the, the, that's the drama. That's the part that, that keeps you. Uh, interested and engaged in what the writers are trying to achieve and and, and guide all along the way. Yeah, I I really, yeah, I I just think so many of the pieces in this show came together really nicely. Yeah. So one of the things you've mentioned to me that was kind of unusual about the show was that it was shot on film mostly instead of done digitally. So yeah, tell, tell us about that. Uh, you, you know, it came as a surprise to me. I I, I came on, as I said, uh, in season nine when Angela King took over and productions have mostly been transitioning to digital and it's already been shooting and everything has been shooting on 
uh, digital. And I haven't shot on film since, uh, gosh, since early mid two thousands. Um, I think Star Trek was the last movie I worked on. Okay. Uh-huh. Then there might've been some digital elements. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, again, this is something I came up with. Uh, a lot of us went to school. We studied film. I, I shot on super eight film. I spliced super eight film and, and, you know, so in commercials, I worked and shot on film. And so it was a pleasant surprise being 2018 and we're shooting on film. Yeah. Really cool stuff. And, you know, film has its own magic to it. Uh, just the process of even shooting on film. There's extra people to hustle and bustle, changing of the um, uh, checking the gate is, you know, like you shoot something and you want to make sure that there's no hair stuck in the, in the, in the gate of the camera. Cause if there was a hair on film, you have to redo the take. So there's a lot of these like different elements that go into shooting on a film, but it also, there's some kind of magic to it. People that grew up with film, love the film, love the film, look, the texture of it all. It made zombies look differently because we, we've tested, even at season nine, we've tested uh, digital cameras and Angela decided not to make that change um, uh, perhaps because she, she liked the way the film looked and maybe that's not being a new showrunner that's not something she wanted to, the change that she wanted to bring on. Right. Really yeah, be the one to change yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think the show probably would have ended on film had it not been for the pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic changed uh, the industry quite a bit, um, obviously. And and uh, we as a production and also the studio had to make some decisions. And switching to digital was probably a decision that needed to be made because less personnel needs to be working on you're minimizing a lot of the work that goes into shooting on film but i i think as far as the look of it goes i think our very talented and brilliant cinematographers that we've had on the show uh and and also the crew just did a really good job selecting and lighting and keeping things that we had before so I don't think, unless you're like super into like, oh, this is on digital. I I don't think we only shot one season. I think it's the last season that was shot on on digital. Right. So, yeah, uh, I don't, almost everything's on yeah. film. Yeah, there's something interesting about that too, right? This kind of old school. Yeah, it's a, a bit nostalgic to some people yeah. and, and, uh-huh. and directors. They would come in. They're like, oh wow, shooting on film. It's like oh, bringing you know, it's warm and cozy and fuzzy and. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, for this dystopian universe right i'm I'm glad i got to sh- uh, to be part of that for the last for the two seasons that we shot on film and i don't think i'll ever see film again mm. i think I, it's just going to be on display like i i have super eight cameras and projectors and everything and that's just going to be on display now uh-huh you're part of your museum yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah. Well, speaking of the cast and the pandemic, I mean, the cast of this show is huge, partly because 11 seasons. So there are a lot of phases of main characters that you go through. But also, I mean, all the extras, right, with just zillions of zombies for some of those shows. I mean, I was thinking, what what were the logistics like for shooting this show to have so many people involved? insane Insane. (laughs) so hard um we had over i I think close to 20 series regulars um that means like characters that are on not just uh you know a one day role kind of thing giving all of them a storyline giving and then spreading it out over the course of 16 episodes and accommodating each of those storylines and how they interact with each other. And when they go off on missions or anything like that, it's extremely complicated. The, the, and again, you got to take your hat off to the writers in that, in that writer's room. They are so methodical. They think about everything. They, and, and, and the way they navigate the story and the way they try to, you know, and sometimes some things are outside of the writer's room control because the network would say, well, we need to make sure that Daryl's um, in every episode. Well, rightfully so, because he gets paid to be in every episode. But, you know, sometimes the story would lead where maybe Daryl's not in the episode, but we would have to put him in. Um, and, and you know, maybe Daryl's uh, sort of a character because he's the main character. But there are other others along the way that the network likes because there's a fan base behind a certain mm-hmm. character 
and we want to use them more. And then also certain characters the writers like more because they're just really, I mean, everybody, there's a lot of our cast, they're all incredible actors, but some are just more favorite with, with the fans and just the way they interact with other actors. And um, it was extremely difficult to uh, accommodate everyone every time. Uh, and that's not even including all the extras and all the additional uh, actors that are being added to episodes. And um, it's an it's an intense process. Again, the crew, the the producers behind the show, and and we were able to get really interesting actors along the way. Hmm. The writers, the 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 crew on the ground. Interesting. Everyone, this show just had so much magic in making it. It was just absolutely fascinating. I'm like a fan of 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 the crew and the producers of the show more so than the show itself, just because working with everyone else. And I got to see how this show got done. Right. Wow. Incredible, incredible people here. Absolutely incredible. I'm so lucky to have uh, been part of it for four years, the last four years. Yeah. I, I do think writing for television must just be so fascinating you know, the little writing that I've done, I mean, you can do anything, right? Paper never refused ink. Yep. But when yep. you're writing for television, you have all these external pressures, like you say. And so sometimes, you know, if you're watching a long show, you come to the last episode of a season and suddenly out of nowhere, someone dies. Yep. And it's like, oh, okay, that person got another job. They had to go off and do something else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the seams kind of show a little bit, right? But I always think these poor writers, how do they just, you know, incorporate those kinds of challenges and make that work inside the story? But yeah, like you, my hat is off to them that they can just continue to make that work and just keep going with, you know, the next season and the new storyline. I do. I think it's really fascinating, those limitations that they have to work under. I hope yeah. they see it as a challenge and not as like, oh, I hate my job because now, you know, my favorite character, they've just killed him off. I have to do something terrible to him. <laughs> I've heard all of those stories. And, and <laughs> it's part of the job. Being a, a television writer, you it, you have to understand that you are going to be limited the moment you start writing. Everything you write on page costs money, right? Every word, every sentence, there's money associated with it. Every location, you put it in, inside, outside. You can't just start making stuff up. You have to, there's a structure that you stick with, right? And um, all along the way, so, like you said, sometimes the character gets cut out. It's not because the writers chose to do so. Sometimes they got another job. Sometimes their contract is out. So there's things there's things being outside of their control. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you just have budget limitations. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you want to write a big explosion. Well, how are you going to film that? Uh, uh, you know, are you going to use visual effects? Visual effects is expensive. Mm -hmm. You want to do it practically? Well, that's also, uh, depending on where the explosion takes place, that could also be a costly uh, scene. Mm -hmm. um, so all of those things go into place. And what happens is the, the script goes through these phases. Um, you know, first they write the beats to the episode, then they write the outline of the episode, then they write a draft of the episode, then then that draft gets polished and submitted to the network, the network has the notes, uh, it gets rewritten again, then submitted to the network again, then they have another set of notes, then wow. it comes into a production draft, and then the production has its set of notes, because the, uh, the producers and people on the ground who are making the show will look at the script, and even though they've seen the outline and all these changes the moment that change happens the the production has to uh, adapt to those changes and that those changes especially scheduling right casting if 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 in one draft we had a character that was in that the next draft that character is out it's again goes back to that uh, how do you accommodate cast, right? In one episode, and then the cast could sometimes would call me and they're like, oh, uh, am I in the following episodes? And I'll say, listen, I may tell you right now, you are, <laughs> but that may change. But stay Next loose. <laughs> they're like, oh, maybe I, need, I can go home for the holidays or, you know, stuff like that. It's extremely challenging for the writers all along the way. There's changes all throughout and they have to adapt. You could make that change in production, depending how you want to shoot it. And you can say, hey, um, we could shoot what you wrote, uh, but we're limited into uh, depending on location or, or, or whatnot. Or 
you could change it in a script much easier to erase something and then you don't have it right and a lot of times production would come and say well we we can't do that that's that's you know it's not falling on the days it's going to ruin our schedule we already have this many scenes on that day and so that's where you have to make really tough decisions and say oh we got to cut this scene even though i really like this scene or you say no we have to keep this scene because it's setting up the following scene or the following in the following episode that production and nobody else knows about because the writers are planning in advance all the time and so those are those are the real producing uh decisions that that really get made the writers aren't just writers on the show they're they're also really 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 good producers uh, just fascinating to watch them in action yeah must be yeah must must be really fascinating to watch mm-hmm. how they deal with all yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah well daryl dixon is an interesting character for you to bring up i i was intrigued with him right away. I think maybe because I'm from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so he just reminded me of, you know, people that I grew up around and that kind of ethos that he has. Um, but he wasn't in the comics. And o- over the seasons, he's become more and more important. In fact, you know, really by season 11, he's the star, um, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. you'd say, along with Carol. Um, so I was curious. You know, the fans have been so uh, influential, at least with the reception of the show, if not the actual production of the show. But I was curious what, like, did Daryl just turn out to be a really popular character and that led to him being more of a leading role or, you know, how much influence do the fans have on things like that? Or how much do the writers pay attention to what the fans are saying, if at all? I was just curious about the interaction or the influence of the fans, I guess. I, you know, I, I the writers do um, follow uh, fans mm-hmm. and oh. uh, what they have to say. We they do reference the wiki page. Oh uh, wow! Just to see what's what's out there. Sometimes you forget what's in the past seasons, and sure. you know, and and also the writing staff changed changed over time. In fact, I think Angela is uh, and Scott Gimple, who's the chief content officer of the franchise, they've been around the longest. Mm. So the, the writers change, and so sometimes you need to reference the material mm-hmm. uh, from the past. And and the fan page really provides an in depth look. The, the fans are really really smart, uh-huh. uh, and. I've looked at it many times. Sometimes, yeah. you know, the writers in, in doing research, it's probably one of the first places we'd go to. Um, but the writers are also, they cover a lot of ground mm-hmm. in the writer's room. When when the, when the room starts in the beginning of the season, uh, when they cover the whole arc of the, of the season, and, and they really go in detail into a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What something may seem like maybe have been a fan suggestion, may have already been thought about by a previous group of writers. And there's notes that left over. Sometimes writers think of things and put in episodes that don't make it into episode. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll save that for another time. Sure. Uh, be it a weapon or a situation or uh-huh. something else. Like it may not have worked in one episode or one idea, but it'll come back maybe later on. Like, you know, because 16 episodes in the season, in episode 14, somebody's like, oh, remember when during three we wanted to do that? Let's do that. Yeah. Even though... Sure. Somebody might have tweeted or discussed it like somewhere in between that, oh, they should do this, blah, 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 blah. And it may seem like, oh, that's a fan side. You see, I told you they should have done it. They're doing it now. I, I saw uh-huh, it. It's because of me. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I also, we can dream. Uh, sure, sure. But I, I, I also know that the writers cover a lot of ground, a lot of ground. And, you know, there's they're pitching ideas all the time to each other mm-hmm. sometimes it's in the room we would have lunch uh you know we had a nice beautiful uh, space in, in burbank and we would have lunch and sometimes the conversation they'd the walk out of the room you, you would think they'd shut it down and yeah sometimes it's like oh what are you having what are you having and the next thing you know like boom they're back into discussing what was taking place in the room because i i wasn't in the room and now i feel like i'm part of it and you're like oh you can't help but to comment you're like oh yeah that would be kind of cool yeah uh-huh like oh you oh okay so next thing you know it's in the next episode <laughs> so it, it's just really interesting how in depth the writers go into uh 
a lot of details, like a lot of details. They really break down episodes and and themes on, on a deep, deep level. You know, and I think that's partly why the fans are so engaged, right? I mean, it's just occurring mm-hmm. to me now, this is the happy circle mm-hmm. because the fans appreciate that level of care, right? When they care about a show, if you care about a show and then it sort of becomes obvious that the writers are just kind of trashing the show, right? I mean, it just pisses you off. It's like, well, here we had something of quality and now, yeah, they're just, but, but if the writers and everyone involved with the show are taking things pretty seriously, right. And, Mm -hmm. and doing a good job that I think that causes the fans to also get very, very engaged. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It, it's a happy circle that, yeah, everyone is like involved in this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is partly, I mean, in a way, you reach sort of critical mass with a show, right? Where just millions and millions of people are heavily invested in this show. Mm-hmm. And that must be motivating to the people working on the show that, I mean, a lot of people are relying on us to make this zombie show the best zombie show it can be. <laughs> Yeah, the, the fans are so hardcore. Uh, I've been with writers um, out to restaurant and and um, and be in Georgia. Everybody knows that uh, The Walking Dead is shot there, mm-hmm. but the fans would even recognize the writer of the episode wow. and come and, and and thank him or her for writing this episode and 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 how much it meant to them. And it really, you know, once once people recognize, and the writers are all behind the scenes, and they, sure. they, they knows what they look like, what what they do, just kind of go in and do their thing. But they're extremely involved, um, and they do care deeply, deeply care, um, and they want to put a good product out. <clears throat> and um, you know, I think maybe another reason is uh, AMC Studio and AMC Network. It's kind of like one entity, as I mentioned before, rather than two separate and different network and a different studio. Because they're so young, I, I think there was a a lot of freedom given to the writers to to sort oh. of create more and do more. Um, um, and again, that's just my experience in the last three seasons of the show. Um, maybe it wasn't like that early on, but I feel like that's part of the success too. Had it been mm-hmm. a different studio, maybe a more established a studio, mm-hmm. like a, a Warner Brothers or a Sony or um, you know, Universal, I, I, you know, whoever makes television, CBS television, mm-hmm. um, maybe there might have been more restrictions, right. uh, might have been, uh, you know, they might, might have wanted it to be more systematic because a lot of these, uh, shows that you see on TV, like network TV, it's, they're very mm-hmm. formulaic. Correct. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, with AMC being a cable TV show, I mean, it's not, uh, there are restrictions being, you know, there's, we, we weren't allowed to use fuck maybe like once a season, like, uh-huh. <laughs> right. you know, whereas on HBO, you could fuck all you want right. <laughs> um, or you can't do any of the fucks on CBS. Um, right. but, you know, I'm just using that as a, as an example to where, uh, AMC, there was restrictions, but at the same time, they let the, the, the writers, and and the showrunners do their thing for the most part. And I think maybe that's another reason why it had its success because it wasn't restricted by, by the suits, so to speak. Yeah. That's, that's such an interesting point, Oleg, because there's something really fresh feeling about the show, even though it does have these kind of old fashioned sort of Western tropes and it's shot on film. Right. Mm -hmm. So that gives it a certain mood, but there is something really fresh about it. And I do think part of it is the humor. So, you know, I just, well, I mean, I just really enjoy when writers use humor, especially black humor, which is so perfect for a zombie show. But it's, it's interesting because that you mentioned that about language, I remember when uh, Judith was reprimanding one of the characters for their language, and she's like, "Language." Yep, yep. And then she says, "I'm a kid, asshole." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, watch your watch your language with me. This is very funny. But there are a lot of things like that. Um, uh, Daryl is quite funny. Um, Rick Grimes is quite funny. A lot of them have these witty asides yeah. that are very funny. But it makes it does. There's a youthful feeling to that show, and maybe that's part of it. This 
yeah, you kind of irreverent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do think that that adds a lot to the show, and that may go back to the to the youth of the writers or the freshness that that it right. somehow has. Yeah, we we have uh, it, it, again speaking just from the seasons that I've worked in uh, a, a diverse group of writers coming from different backgrounds and, mm. and even career paths. Um, uh, we've had people come. We have we've had writers from animation, from comedy, um, from drama, from um, genre, whatever you want to call it. Um, wow! And 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 it's it's just such a diverse group. Um, huh. People from all walks of life. And they're so incredibly smart and they pay attention to details mm-hmm. and they're so incredibly funny. There's so much funny stuff. When you talk to them in general, just a happy group of writers. Interesting. They're always joking. They're always laughing. My office was, uh, I, I shared a wall and the writer's room was behind me. And uh-huh. so I, I, I would hear them crack up all the time. And sometimes they'd, they'd walk out and they'd just smiles on their face. And I'm like, what the hell are they writing over there? This, this right. <laughs> sitcom. Yeah, it's not <laughs> but, a sitcom. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, to, on, on the flip side of the coin, it, it, there, there's been dark moments. There, you know, obviously with themes and, and stuff. And they would get into discussions that perhaps were a bit more serious and may not be for television. But they still cover this is this this still goes back to what i said earlier is that they go through a lot of different versions and ideas and what could and could not work based on the season arc but also the story arc or the episode arc and it's it's just really 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 interesting to watch how it com- goes from the idea to the page and then onto the screen and then the people that produce on the ground, the crew on the ground, uh, it's an extension of what's happening in the in the writer's room. They are so passionate. They all can't wait to see the new script. They can't, it, like, everyone's constantly waiting. What's the new one? Because, you know, it continues. The story continues. And they're, only the writers kind of know how it's all going to end in the season, right? But the crew is just waiting for it. And that crew on the ground is so resilient. Georgia is not an easy place to shoot during summertime. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> bugs. <laughs> oh, my God. Bugs. Heat. Um, and, and when you're wearing makeup and and, uh-huh. and you're standing out there for hours. And listen, I, I, I went out there and I didn't even put the 12-hour day and, you know, sitting in a video village. <laughs> it's one thing. But. To, to watch everyone and the level of commitment mm-hmm. these people brought to the show. Um, again, I, I think part of the success is it's not only it's the writers, it's the producers, it's everything. I think everything just kind of gelled mm-hmm. together. And, and that's that's the product we have. Yeah. And as a viewer, you know, after a while, you get a sense of a show, especially a thriller or a, th- a show where people die. And <laughs> in The Walking Dead, by the way, a lot of people die. But, you know, if you become a viewer and you start getting a little bit cynical, like, well, I know they're not going to kill off this character. I remember watching a show and I realized, oh, actually nothing ever happens in this show. The music just comes up and gets really loud, but nothing ever happens. Nobody ever gets hurt in this show. It was like, oh, well, here comes the music again, but I can just relax. Mm-hmm. That is not true on The Walking Dead. There are many, many surprises, even tragic, really horrifying mm-hmm. surprises. Yeah. In yeah. fact, that... um first episode of season five really just shocked the daylights out of me Mm -hmm. with um with the cannibals oh right right yeah and so you know that's another thing i it's it's a little hard to take right when your favorite character gets killed off but it's really that's really valuable to a viewer to be surprised right Mm -hmm. because if you start getting kind of cynical and like oh yeah same old same old Mm -hmm. It, de- it definitely detracts from the pleasure of viewing. That's one thing that I definitely would compliment the show on is it yeah. stayed fresh and it stayed surprising. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think, you know, there's been four showrunners, I want to say, on throughout the 11 seasons. And, and every showrunner brings kind of a, a new, fresh take on things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and And that allows for new ideas and they also bring in new writers sometimes uh, a lot of times uh, i don't yeah there's been new writers pretty much a, a new writer at least added to the bunch 
almost every season of the show and that that's a new uh, like a new brain in the room right and the brain hasn't heard anything else and they just kind of bring a whole new perspective and they generate ideas so fast mm -hmm. it it's um and 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 then it takes a, a ballsy showrunners to take and put those ideas on page and say, hey, you know, we can go with that. Mm -hmm. We can go with that. And it, and it, it almost shows some faith in your fans. It does. Right? That the fans are going to be able to handle this. Yeah, this is different. Yeah. This is going to surprise them, but it's okay. They're resilient. They're they're in this for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, that that you know, that kind of relationship with your fan base, I think, is unusual. And that may be part yeah. of the reason why the show is mm -hmm. is so great is that faith in the fans not sure if the negan bashing heads was set well with the fans eh, but we'll leave it at that uh well that's the thing right yeah. things happen in this show that are truly disturbing yeah. right? and yeah. raise a lot of questions but you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a challenging show. We and and some fans like that, right? Some yeah. fans don't, right? They want a really predictable. You know, I know my name, main character's not going to get killed off. You know, yeah. blah blah blah. But I think others of us are like, yeah, <laughs> try us, see what we can handle. <laughs> yeah, no, the 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 writers, and again, having a a cast this big, the the writers are always seeking to put some element of surprise into mm -hmm. any episode for that matter. And, and of course the idea of killing so-and-so and so comes up and the moment that comes up, it becomes a huge discussion. Yeah. What, what's the ripple effect of killing so-and-so? Yeah. How many links do we have that besides the fans I'm talking within the show, mm -hmm. the characters associated with them, because then you have to carry that storyline, you know, like when Glenn got whacked Maggie and, you know, she had a kid and, and and what to do now and how do we handle Negan and all of that. It, it, there, there's a lot of things that that happen anytime you kill someone, especially a big character. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of thought that goes into deciding who and how, how brutal it is. You know, obviously the, the bashing was one of the most brutal <laughs> scenes, I think, in television history. <laughs> Of, of just how gruesome it was um but it also had a huge effect uh, a lot of fans told me oh i stopped watching after that I, yeah. oh interesting yeah i was curious about that where fans um mm. have a reaction that where, yeah where it's like okay now you've gone too far <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, to some people that was too oh, much. oh interesting i have to watch season nine it's it's okay Ah, uh, interesting. Because I might—I mean, I guess being a mom, I might have thought the death of Carl would be right. Would 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 do that? But yeah. But I mean, Glenn is such a great character, and he's there right at the beginning, right? Yeah, with his oh, what what's his thing? Are you com Are you comfy in there, dumbass? When yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he first says that to Rick Grimes in the in the tank, yeah, <laughs> you moron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a great, great, great episode. Yeah, it's 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 really yeah. You can get nostalgic about that season mm -hmm. one because it was for one thing it was really short. It was only six, six episodes. episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Well, that's, that's how you try things out. That's how networks mm -hmm. do. They'll order do a small order. There wasn't a lot of money, and they made the best of it. And then the bigger order came in. I think second season might have been twelve episodes, and and then it just locked into sixteen episode seasons until the season eleven. God. Right. Okay. So yeah, just to make sure the audience understands. So, because this was confusing to me. So season 11 is actually split into three blocks. Yeah. Correct me if I say anything wrong here or not quite right. And so it actually started to air last fall, August of 2021. And there were a block of eight episodes released then, and then a block of eight episodes released in the spring of 2022 and now we're in the middle of the third and final block yes correct um that's a product of the covid um uh, uh, it, it, this is the product of the pandemic essentially mm. when we started writing season 11 the room sort of the mini room as they call them one or two 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 or three writers started writing season 11 in november of 2019 wow and then 
with the room officially started in January of 2019. And we had already broke, I think, the first eight episodes. And the order was typical order, 16 episodes. Okay. And um, uh, we had broken eight episodes and the writers were assigned and we had, they were already started working on their individual episodes. I think through four or five episodes were already kind of well-structured and uh, writers were assigned. As they continue to break the season, come March 2020 is when the pandemic and the shutdown happened. Yeah. Uh, we go home, um, told maybe a couple of weeks, the room doesn't shut down. So we like scramble. And when I say the room, you know, when we're in the office, when the writers, they have the, the writers, they have, they have individual offices, but we, there's also one kind of big kind of conference room with a lot of whiteboards all around. Yeah and note cards everywhere and just really a thinking tank. Um, right. All the writers sit together and, and they come in and they just ideas, 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 and start structuring episodes. And so we kind of, so we should, we can't physically go to the office. And um, so us on the logistics sides, we scramble and we kind of come up with like, we start to do like a zoom room, right? Well, it's a whole different thing when you're talking with a group of people in, in the room and you're bouncing off ideas. Now you're on Zoom, slightly different, you know, technical issues. People have kids running and animals running around and people are worried. People have the news on. Um, mm. Not to mention, we don't have a platform that we can put notes up everywhere. So first right. we started out like with a, just Google Docs, but it was like too complicated to go from Zoom to like click on the doc and not everybody has like multi-screen setup at home. Right. Um, and um, but we still have to keep writing, right? Because we're thinking we're going to come back in two weeks, so we we got to can't keep slow down, right? Yeah. So maybe the hours are slightly different now, and we kind of come up with these like sort of systems uh, to working remotely, and and now we're all kind of logging in, so it's not just the writers. So like uh, some of us producers and assistants, that we're all logging in, so we're kind of in the Zoom room. Um, those who aren't participating, that aren't writers, we're you know, off camera, we're just kind of listening. Again, we're listening because if something comes up, if I if I need to address, uh, run something by production or whatever, they're also shut down on, uh, in Georgia, right? But the main producers are working because we don't know what's happening, right? Yeah. So we have like multiple systems. So then two weeks turns into a month. We got to keep working. What's happening? Um, we, you know, writers that have been assigned episodes sort of starting to write their episodes, at least the beats or the outlines. And then um, the decision is made as the deeper we got into it and we've changed multiple platforms and different setups. The decision was made that we were going to add, we're going to create bridge episodes between season 10 and season 11. Oh. So I don't know if you saw that, but there was an extension of season 10. And, and I don't want to get into oh, deep yeah. of contracts and all of that. Uh, you can't add to the season that already aired, but maybe you can. And I don't quite know the exact details of that. But we sort of had these six episodes. Yeah, these bonus episodes. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were basically a bridge between season 10 and season 11. Ah. That was made with the decision that season, once we do these bridge episodes and because we had to shoot them in a certain way we didn't know when we would be allowed to shoot yeah we kind of had this idea that maybe by by fall of 2020 the pandemic would sort of uh, or at least the dangers of it would sort of die down because it kind of peaked during summertime right and so the decision was made to make these individual episodes kind of almost standalone episodes right and what we had to do was extract these episodes that were originally planned for season 11, extract some of the ideas and put them into these bridge episodes, right? What a mess. It was, it was, yeah, it was very interesting because again, and then the decision was made that this, the final, this season 11, once we do end up shooting, it would be the final season. Uh -huh. And instead of 16 episodes, it would be 24 episodes. <laughs> So now it's like somebody is sitting around going, <laughs> let's see if you can possibly. stand all this. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. It, it was it, it's absolutely insane. So when you think about it, it's 30 episodes, right? 30 episodes of the final season kind of thing. Right. You include the bridge episodes. It's right. 30 episodes 
during the pandemic where the writers can't travel, uh, we have to have two separate crews shooting, um, following all the COVID protocols. And we had a really, really, uh, we had, we had, uh, staff, um, we had to hire an entire health and safety team to manage all the health and safety protocols. Uh, unions were working closely with productions to establish everything. And, um, it was really, really, really complicated. I mean, shooting a TV show is complex enough, but to add a whole level of of testing and 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 zoning and people not certain people can be with other people. You want to protect your your actors because if the actor goes down, we we have to shut down. If you have to shut down, your schedule changes and and it just it, yeah it, so many complexities. We shot the the bridge episodes uh, with two directors, basically one director shooting a block of three different episodes with one team and then another director shot another block of three episodes with another team that was interesting and we shot those six episodes in six weeks wow. <laughs> during the pandemic so this was during the fall of 20 right. 2020 um, and then the order came in for 24 of the final season and that's how they're broken up into three different Jeez. blocks so it's 30 total episodes i don't think that's ever been done until and that's part of the decision going to digital as well too um again just to give it some kind of ease and yeah there was a lot of really hard decisions made by the network um by production by the writers but i think ultimately uh, i mean it 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 got really hard jeff i I gotta admit it it became hard on everyone on the crew on the writers working remotely was is not is not the most ideal uh, writers weren't able to travel to set, whereas in the past uh, we've had a writer of the episode on set mm-hmm. uh, helping produce uh, because changes always happen on the fly too. And uh, so we didn't have a writer present. Thank God for some of our established, um, our executive producer, Denise Huth, was on set most of the time. She's terrific. She's been with the show since day one. Oh, wow. Uh, it, took, it took a toll on everyone, though, on mm-hmm. every single person involved. Um, and uh, it was, I mean, a grind. Wow, I, I don't think I'll ever do anything like this ever again in my life. It's funny. I was thinking it was a little bit like the survivors in the show. You guys are the survivors of you shooting were, uh, during this, yeah, whatever. during this crazy time. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just keep raising the ante, right? Oh, let's have locusts now. Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. yeah. 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 Oh, okay, yeah. we'll see if we can yeah. handle. Let's see if we can handle that. Well, thank you so much for the work that you have done. All of you have done on this show. You know, the your dedication really shows in the final product. I think there are maybe three or four episodes left now. We're on episode. Let's see. So nineteen. We have five episodes left. Five are left. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So get busy, audience. You have a lot of viewing to catch up on if you uh, haven't seen it. But yeah, this would be a fun time to reacquaint yourself with the show or to learn about it for the first time and and kind of catch up on this phenomenon that's actually ending now so yeah kind of an end of an era for sure but thanks so much for your work on it It, it's really appreciated by the fans and so tell us what's next for you well um during summertime i i I took a couple of weeks and um i've I've always been into travel uh series genre myself I, i love to travel and I love different cultures, being from a different culture myself. I've, oh, and as you mentioned in the beginning, I'm a huge sauna enthusiast. Uh-huh. So um, our mutual friend, Karsten, and I, um, Karsten happens to have a sauna. I have a sauna. Uh-huh. And we sauna all the time. And uh, when we sauna, we have friends over and we chat and we do different and we have really interesting conversations and a lot of cool stories come up. And so the idea came about and said, why don't we do a travel uh, series about saunas and oh, sauna yeah. culture? And so we uh, took a, uh, 10 days and we traveled to the origin of sauna, Finland and Estonia. And uh, we wanted to explore what the origins are all about. And so we kind of, we created this little docuseries that we're going to pursue. We're currently developing. We shot the pilot in Finland and Estonia. It's called Friendly Heat. I'm currently shopping it around, but um, mm-hmm. so maybe catch it soon. We There's still a lot of work to do. Um, but that's what I'm currently uh, working on. And then uh, I'll be transitioning to a different show um, with uh, Angela Kang. Oh, good. Oh, you're going to keep working with her. 
Oh, yeah, Angela, Angela is just wonderful. Um, she's uh, just brilliant writer and really amazing producer. And she's she'll be doing another show based on a comic book, but I can't say what it is just yet. Oh, um, okay, all right. Yeah, a little we'll suspense. To, you guys. Yeah, right. We'll have um, to stay tuned. Uh, once the time comes, you'll you'll know what it is, and um, maybe another conversation to be had because I think it's also based on a very popular franchise. Oh, exciting. Yeah, very exciting. Well, I'll yeah. just mention, I saw a cut of Friendly Heat. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought I thought it was the thing. One of the things that was really striking about it was the beauty of the photography. So I mentioned that a couple That's of times. So Carson, I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's really remarkable, just some of the landscapes that you captured, yeah. but also the the quality of the of the imagery is just fantastic. It's really, it, it really pops. There's something about that um, video that that really brings you into the scene. I felt like I was in Estonia and well, yeah, there's, there's something you. really cool about that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just always been a passion of mine. Um, I, I did a little pilot when I first graduated college called Joie de Vivre. Um, hmm. It was also travel based. Um, that that show was based on uh, wanting to travel and meet the people who enjoy where they live mm-hmm. um, and um we obviously that sort of idea didn't go far for many reasons but i kind of wanted to revisit that but karsten and i with today's technology you know all the cameras that are accessible now it really was just the two of us we didn't have any crew um we had a gopro we had a couple of iphones yeah, those iPhones. Amazing. Um, I a, yeah, I had a backpack and um we shot we just said, hey, let's just go and do it. And it was it was everything that I thought it would be and more. Yeah. And I have the formula in place. I I and it's not just going to explore the, the friendly heat is beyond sauna. Sauna is just sort of a, a setting the tone for 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 the for a reason to travel kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's it's exploring cultures and bathing rituals and, and traditions and history in different places in different countries in different cultures and um that's what we want to do with friendly heat um we want to explore roman baths we want to explore turkish hammams we want to go to banyas and in, in yeah. ukraine <laughs> and uh we want to do um uh, sweat lodges with Native mm-hmm. Americans and and uh, and also visit you know areas in Europe and with thermal baths and mm-hmm. the cold dips in Siberia. Uh, again, this whole war situation is really upsetting, but um, and it's cramping my style because <laughs> I'd like to go to Eastern Europe. Yeah, uh, it's getting in your way of your travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's terrible. You should think about those um, hot tubs up in the Eastern Sierra. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, there's an yeah. interesting culture around yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine this thing really expanding. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just beyond the saunas, but yeah, to all these ideas about bathing and yeah, getting wet. Yeah, basically. and also people getting and there's so many health benefits that that, that we will go into that we kind of didn't go into. Uh, we sort of touched on if you paid attention to what people were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we could go deeper into the health benefits of sauna. And there's so many of them. And, and saunas could be, for some people, it's an individual thing. Like I have an mm-hmm. individual sauna at home. Uh, to others, it's it's a group thing. Mm-hmm. It's a therapy thing on right. uh, both mental and, and, and physical. People with pain, people with issues, people with trauma, um, people that can't work out. You know, doing a sauna 20, 20 minutes a, a day, uh, substitute a moderate um cardiovascular workout you know right. so, um th- there are so many benefits and 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 we we'd like to sort of cover it all yeah and i'll provide some links to uh, whatever you want me to in the show notes of this episode so people can go check that out Thank so you. i have to i have to throw in um one more thing so one of the things that happens when you watch the walking dead is you think what if the zombies came through my neighborhood like who would survive right mm-hmm. and you know, so my neighborhood, most people would be dead within, <laughs> yeah, they'd all be dead. But yes. I was thinking, so you've mentioned our mutual friend, Karsten, uh, who is my neighbor. So he lives in the same neighborhood. And I was thinking, you know, someone who might survive a zombie apocalypse is Karsten. I was thinking that. What do you think? Well, he, 
Yes, Karsten would definitely survive. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know how to cook, though, uh, so I, that part. But maybe he would just uh, kill and eat in an animal raw <laughs> uh, and not worry about picking it up. <laughs> um, yeah, he might survive. It just wouldn't be pretty. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I think I think you and Tom would survive the pandemic. <laughs> It would serve well so far. We've survived the pandemic, but I mean, we uh, survive the zombie you know, apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, that's the question. Well, I mean, we've been training, right? We survived yeah. the pandemic, so now, yeah, this zombie virus, yeah, bring it on. Because yeah. I mean, I haven't bought my knife yet, but I'm thinking about it. So yeah, I'll probably. Yeah, get I'm constantly looking around my house for the tools <laughs> I <have> use. Um, <laughs> like that lamp has got a really sharp edge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear, the impact of The Walking Dead on all of us. Well, Oleg, it's been so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for the time and uh, talking to us about this uh, very interesting show. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jeff. This was really, really cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode and give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon and get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.